is fucking Sunday, midday, four o'clock on a Sunday. Very bright today, very cold in Atlanta. I'm giving you guys a fucking weather forecast. Are you in Atlanta? No, maybe you're coming. Maybe. But if you were here today, you would realize that it is a crisp Sunday afternoon. Beautiful. The sun is still shining. There's kids in the front lawn. They're playing football. I want them to shut the fuck up, but let me not be that old man. Let me not be that old man. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with you to talk. Uh, What else do we have beside conversation in this lifetime? What else is there? It's all human beings do. It's really, (laughs) that's all we fucking do. We like to pay attention to like buildings and art and clothing and, you know, sex and all these other things that human beings, no, that's that's nothing. Those things are, are passing time in between conversation. Conversation is all that there is. It's all that there is. That's the, the biggest lie I've ever told. I'm Pinocchio. Talking about Pinocchio. Oh my God. I'm going to take a sip of my tea and let's talk about motherfucker Pinocchio. Pinocchio. There's a new Pinocchio movie out. I forgot what platform I watched this on. I think it was Netflix. Um, it's a little bit creepy. I wouldn't call it a child's film. <laughs> but I like where the director took this one. It's um, the Del Toro guy. What is his name? Um, is his name Del Toro? I forgot the name of the fucking director. But very famous director. He did a, uh, a rehash of an extremely famous childhood tale. Pinocchio. The wooden boy who was made by Geppetto. In the original Disney film, Geppetto comes across more as a pedophile. He's a guy who's making wooden figurines in the in the form of a, a small boy. And he gives them life. Very creepy sounding. More in line with Disney. This director, he takes it and he uh, gives it a different plot. He shines a new light on this, this tale. He gives it some geographical context. Um, it's... Uh, based in a very fascist Italy, where the uh, the Geppetto character is not just this happy-go-lucky craftsman. He's not just like a, a wood craftsman in some small village and everything's la-di-da. This has some actual historical context where in fascist Russia, there's a man who is alone with his child. And uh, due to the ongoings of war, a bomb was just released on his city and it killed his child his real son, and in his drunken madness, he goes and crafts a little boy in the likeness of his son made out of wood. This is what he does for a living. He makes things out of wood, and he crafts this little boy made out of wood and in the spirit of magic and emotionally charged loss. A spirit comes a, uh, an angel, so to speak. And I, I even like the depiction of the angel because, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who's familiar with the Bible and they depict angels in some like real acid trippy kind of kind of way. Very familiar to me um, how they depicted the angel in this movie. And um, this angel comes and puts the soul of a little boy inside this wooden figure and it comes to life. And now Pinocchio is the real life wooden toy um, Geppetto's new son. And so an adventure ensues and um, the little boy has some interesting characteristics. Like that. Once again, I told you, this is not a la-di-da movie. This is not Disney. It's not fucking birds chirping. The plot gets a little bit fucking dark. 
<laughs> the little boy is immediately rejected by his, his father, so to speak, the guy who created him, Geppetto. He's freaked the fuck out because he wakes up after a goddamn hangover to a, a talking piece of wood. You know, you can imagine. I've woken up from some hangovers. Uh, this I've not experienced before. So he's a little bit freaked out, rejects the little boy. The boy's already dealing with abandonment issues because he thinks his father doesn't love him. The um, little boy gets stolen by uh, the military. The fascist want to, uh, a fascist general wants to use him um, because they find that the little boy can't die. The Pinocchio, the little doll, he can't die, you know, um, keeps on coming back to life. So they want to utilize that, which is, you know, more realistic um, to humanity, utilizing something that can't die as a weapon, right? And so they put him into uh, training to be a warrior. And um, a lot of things that happen. He, he goes into a traveling circus. Somebody wants to exploit him for money. And, you know, the, the, but the point of the movie that I found very fucking interesting was um, just the qualities that he embodied. I really appreciated where this director took it because there's a way to implement fantasy and a fantastic reality when you're telling a story, but to do so and ground that with reality. You tell something, because I've been listening to allegory. I've been listening to metaphor my entire life. We all have, we're American. This is a Christian nation. The Bible is full of allegory. There is a way to present extremely fantastic dreamlike information and do so and ground that with reality so it's digestible. And I think that's really what makes a story pop. I think that's what makes a motherfucking story pop, ladies and gentlemen. Pinocchio, go fucking watch it. It's incredible. It is incredible. The boy that can't die, um, he's just looking for love. He just wants to be a real boy. That's all he wants. Um, <laughs> no, I really enjoyed that movie. And I watched it with my daughter and I quickly regretted that I showed her that because it's pretty violent, but it's a good movie. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. I like that. I like that. You know, I, I've been critical in the past of like when they do stuff. When they, they rehash a movie from the 90s, Disney movie or whoever the fuck was making cartoons back then, they ruined my childhood. I talked about it a, a while ago. They rehash Winnie the Pooh, but instead of it being like Winnie the Pooh, they make him like a slasher pedophile. <laughs> Apparently he was molesting Christopher Robin when Christopher Robin was a child. And now Christopher Robin is all grown up. Uh, he's disillusioned, he's disassociated, and he's trying to go find the spot where it all, his brain got scrambled like a pot of fucking eggs. And um, he runs into some guys with masks on that are murderers. Very creepy, very fucking creepy. Uh, I don't like when they do that, but I can appreciate when they take a character like Pinocchio and they keep the same essence of storyline. They keep the same essence of a dreamlike story, dreamlike allegory, uh, a tale, a fantasy. And in presenting that story, which is very popular, give it context, which may be, by way of it being realistic, gruesome and uh, brutal. Uh, because that is life. You know, and then you go into the argument then thinking about those two examples that I just gave Winnie the Pooh and Pinocchio. There is this argument of like censorship. Is that okay? Because that was my problem for the former. The former being the Winnie the Pooh story. I think that is kind of blurring the lines of censorship. You are allowing 
now in the ethos of whoever ingested that content in the first place, right? Winnie the Pooh. That is in the subconscious collective, right? And now you're reintroducing something that was sweet and childlike in a very perverse way. And I don't know if I agree with that. I think in that way, somebody should be like regulating that type of content. I mean, I understand it's not how business works. You know, business is about money. They just understand that there is a a base that will want to relive, regardless of how perverse <laughs> it is, they want to relive some type of childhood memory, right? But there has to be some limit and some type of regulation for that, right? Um, on, and in the second case, I'm always a proponent for freedom of expression. And I say that because if we're not allowed to rehash and rethink and um, reinvent things through a lens of reality, even if once upon a time it was just a childlike fairy tale and now it is a story like this new Pinocchio movie where it's a little bit more gruesome, you miss out on great art. And I just experienced great art. You know, so I think there's like a way to do it. There's a way to do it. I don't know if you necessarily need regulation. I think it's a maturity thing. I think it's a maturity thing in both cases, in both movies. I know I'm boring the shit out of people that listen, but I don't give a fuck. This is nothing important. Podcast is my podcast. Listen. In both cases, um, I think the issue is not really regulation. I don't think it's really um, rehashing an idea or changing something that was once just a child's movie or a child's film or cartoon into something that's a little bit more adult-like or realistic. I think the issue is with the creator of the new content on either side. And it's a maturity issue. It's maturity. It's like, do we want to live in a world where we continually have to uh, point out the extremes, like Winnie the Pooh turning into a slasher pedophile? Do we want to live in a world where we're continually pointing out those extremes and using that as an example of why we need censorship and why we need regulation and we need hand-holding? As adults, or do we want to mature the entirety of society so that we can accept that there will always be creepy idiots that remake movies and remake content and probably put things out that are inappropriate? But if we can educate and almost take away the taboo of slasher pedophile Winnie the Pooh and make it not as interesting and not as intoxicating as it is because it's a bad thing. Then maybe the totality of civilization can get more mature and they could make the choice for themselves and watch a Pinocchio, which is a great piece of art that is brutal, that has violence, but it's real. And I think it is also still a children's movie. You know, it, it, it begs that question. I, I think about like different societies. America is very interesting to me. I watch documentaries. I was born in 1992. I don't have a great historical reference as it pertains to me actually being there. I'm only 30 years old. I don't have a lot to work with, you know, but in my lifetime, I have watched and gained reference from films in the past documentaries and absorbed like cultural understandings of times before myself. And America is very interesting. We have a capitalist society that is almost 
the foundation of it is sensationalism. And what that means is like in the 1950s, we had a culture that was, I wouldn't even call it repressed. I would not call it super Christian. I wouldn't call it any of those things. Those are reference points to diagnose what it was. But what it actually was, was just a little bit more innocent. It was a little bit more refined. It was a little bit more bespoke, the culture in America. And because of industries that want to profit, there comes out figures like pop stars like Elvis who do something sexual and then that changes society. But the whole context behind Elvis coming out and being sexual and making money for an industry is that it is taboo, is that it is shocking, that it, there's something wrong with it. And I think that kind of speaks to a deeper problem for Americans versus other places on the planet, is that we teach our young to be guilty, to be shameful, to say this is bad and this is good. And that kind of society breeds an immaturity. People grow up and you can never really truly unlearn everything you learned in your childhood. You can become an adult and you, you have that existential crisis and you learn you have to unlearn and all these things they say on fucking YouTube, right? But you still have downloaded so much information in your childhood. And a lot of that for the collective ethos in America for a long fucking time has been this right or wrong thinking. And when you observe other cultures around the globe, people don't express that same level of guilt and shame to their children. And so what happens is that those young people grow up and their culture matures, excuse me, evolves into more of a mature culture than I would say America is, where we're still kind of like, oh, that's bad. Oh, that's taboo. You know, we need censorship. We need help. We need handholding. It creates this kind of culture of infantilizing adults instead of understanding that the root of the bad, what we're perceiving as bad, what we're, we're expressing to ourselves and our people and our young ones, why they need censorship, why they need to look away, why this is bad. It's all this kind of idea of taboo. It's playing with this concept of like temptation. This is bad. And so you shouldn't do it. And then what comes out of that is a culture of extremes. People who feel repressed, they go and express those extremes. In other cultures around the globe, if you never tell your children uh, breasts, you can't look at breasts. If you don't repress them in those ways, they don't grow up and become perverted toward breasts. I think about that. I think there's a lot of like European um, or African cultures that don't put so much weight on sexuality. They don't put so much suppression and so much fear on looking at a naked woman's body or looking at a naked man's body because it's not presented pervertedly. It's more just a presentation going back again to this movie Pinocchio of reality. And so culture starts to develop in a more mature way. I'm fucking rambling, ladies and gentlemen. I am fucking rambling. I don't know if you got the point of what I'm trying to say, though. Um, I'm always an advocate for freedom of expression. And I think that comes with bumps in the roads. So a person that says, I want freedom of expression, I want people to be able to express what they want to express. That comes with some people coming out and doing too much. But you got to take the good with the fucking bad if we're going to grow as a society.
if we're going to grow in art, if we're going to grow in thought, if we're going to become mature as a collective, you got to take the bumps in the road. You know, just critique. And I think over time, people become more mature and they stop engaging with the things that are so ridiculous and so outlandish and so fake because they have access to not only the bullshit, but reality. And over time, they'll learn. They'll mature. Um, that's my pitch on a fucking utopic society, ladies and fucking gentlemen. What the fuck am I talking about? I'm going to take another sip of my goddamn tea. We get into that talk in, um, in America a lot. And this goes back to, this is like the metaphoric um, microcosm to what I, I talked about a second ago. Just a second ago, I was just talking about the, the fact that you can't undownload everything that you were taught as a child. So if there's fear-based tendencies or a set of morals, you can grow from those things. You can be a product of your environment, whether in... Um, alignment or an opposition to that's very possible you can get in the middle of that you could just ignore it you know all those things are possible but you can't undownload everything that you learned when you were young in the same way in american society we collectively have a foundation because of the way that this country was created the inception of america laid a foundation which is like a subconscious downloading for americans and in that, there's this constant conversation and rehashing and rediscussion and redebate about freedom of speech because it's in our Declaration of Independence. You know? Not the Declaration of Independence. You get the fuck I'm saying. But um, uh, <laughs> because it is, it is something that the founding fathers thought about. They said, we need the right for certain things to be able to speak freely, to be able to express yourself. This is an important thing because they understood as a foundation for this country that is going to be so fucking important going forward. And so what happens is that we continually have this conversation and this fight between the powers that be. The powers that be are not only the 1%, but it's the people, right? So this fight between the powers that be of what can you say and what can't you say. And we're in an interesting time of transition right now in America where um, you have people who are fearful of the repercussions of actual freedom of speech. You have people who are afraid that if people are granted the right to speak freely, that that would allow a lane for crazy people to give misinformation and influence the masses and point society in the incorrect direction, not in progression, but in regression and take us backwards, right? And on the other side, you have people who say, of course, there will be issues that arise. Of course, people will say stupid shit, but the repression of the freedom of speech will do more harm than good. And I would say I'm on the side of the ladder. I'm on the side of the ladder. I'm on the side of us going up into the future and growing and maturing by way of 
not being so sensitive, not rejecting words. I mean, this is an old adage. If we're talking about like the collective conscious subconsciousness, the things that are downloaded in our brain when we're children, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. We're growing fickle as a society, as a collective. This country is becoming psychologically weak because we repress so much. And as a byproduct of repression, all somebody has to do to control another human being is say something that is out of line, that's out of the script. And they trigger them with words. With words, we're creating collective weakness. You understand what I'm saying? Other, I don't think other places are like this. I don't think other places around the world... Of course, there's, you know, in any other place in the world, you know, they have dictatorships or whatever governments they call, whatever fucking government they claim they are, but they're really dictators. Um, you can't say stuff about politics and there's other places where, you know, it's, it's real repression and you can get prison sentences, or you can get murdered, yada, yada, yada. But I'm not talking about those places in particular. I'm saying I think there's other places on this planet where people are not as afraid of words as they are in America. People are so fearful here of things being spoken. You know, that begs the question, is that like a control thing? Is that like fear of certain information coming out? Is that like a power, centralized power thing? You know, if people talk, then what I know that gives me power will come out and other people will be empowered. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck it is. To me, it's weakness. To me, it's weakness. And it's fearful thinking. It is fear. You know, regulation. What is regulation really? Regulation is agreeing that a certain group or organization has better logic than the mass population. That a certain organization, a certain group or a certain entity has better judgment than someone else. That's what regulation is. It's saying that you need a daddy. You know what I mean? <laughs> and what that does over time to a population is it infantilizes adults. And I get it. That is important to a certain degree when you're talking about governing a large group of people. You don't want people to get out of control. You don't want there to be anarchy. You don't want people to go fucking crazy. There's a potential for all of that. But I really do believe the consequence of keeping it the way that things are is grave compared to problematic. It is grave to our society compared to we're going to have some issues if we allow true freedom of expression, true freedom of speech, there's going to be a lot of idiots. There's going to be a lot of manipulators, but we already have that. What will happen over time is that people will have the ability to start vetting out what is bullshit and what is real. And we grow as a fucking people and more trust in your country. I think that's the biggest fucking thing, man. I think that is the biggest thing. If we had leadership that came out and said, um, you know, we're, we're really going to try to attack this issue of suppression of information and suppression of voices and all of this stuff. 
Every side would cry and say, oh, this person has their own agenda. But over time, what would be expressed, over time, there would be more trust in this country. You know what I mean? I think you guys fucking understand what I mean. What the fuck am I talking about? I'm, you know, this is a combination of me watching Pinocchio um, and being inspired that you can rehash something and make it more adult-like and it be a little bit jarring. I watched that movie and I was like, oh, fuck, this is not what I watched growing up. But it was done correctly. And it could only happen that way if people are allowed to express if somebody comes with a crazy idea and they shoot their fucking shot and the ball goes in the basket, that happens. That can't happen with fear. That can't happen with, oh, no, you can't touch this because it's a children's movie. That can't happen with, oh, uh, what, do, what, do we, what message are we sending? It has to happen with a, with a keen sense of judgment, critique, looking at the particular individual content, but also like some balls. You got to take a chance. You have to take a chance. You know, the world is changing. The world is fucking changing very, very quickly. And I wonder what people sometimes it's like. I think about this. One of the greatest lessons um, that I've learned in my life. And I always say this. Some people think that you need a trophy or a degree or a pedestal under your feet to be able to give advice. And uh, there's other people that know how to gain information that is life-changing and valuable from a homeless man. Not the example of him being homeless. Maybe something he says. There's wisdom all fucking around you. And if you are living this life, you have to recognize it's not just you here. There are millions and billions of perspectives and they all prevail because they're all important. They're all valuable. And to learn from as many as you can is way more powerful than only giving your attention and only giving your uh, power up to who is who society deems as wise and knowledgeable. Um, I say that because I'm a guy just sitting in a fucking chair and I'm about to tell you something that I think is real. I think it's powerful. I think you would agree if you considered it. When I was growing up, there were qualities that I had to develop to survive. There were qualities that I had to develop to be alive right now. I had to watch my fucking back. I had to understand very quickly that I can't trust anybody. I had to learn how to isolate. I had to learn how to survive in social settings that are, that are brutal. That if you fuck around, you could get hurt. There's one quality that come, that people that come from where I come from, we, uh, I'm not saying me, I'm a fucking genius, but no, no, but people in general that come from where I come from don't have access to a lot of information or information that, that other cultures have. But what we do have is a high level of emotional intelligence, a high level of emotional intelligence, being able to feel out a situation and it's proven. This is not delusional confidence, it's survival. And those qualities that I had to develop that saved me growing up could be the very things that kill me as an adult. Isn't that ironic? The qualities that saved me, that preserved me, that delivered me into adulthood could kill me if I held on to those in adulthood. Paranoia. 
defensiveness, aggression, all of these things, great if you think about the context of how I came up. But how would that transmit or, or how does that translate into my life as an adult? Those things could kill opportunities. Those things could kill my freedom, my joy, my freedom of mind, my peace. Those things could eliminate a bright future for me forever. So you have to learn how to adapt because things change. With that understanding, it's like the same things that you learned growing up, the same things that you downloaded as a child, what preserved you, what got you to the point that you are at right now, they could kill you going forward because the world is always changing. And not only the world, but your world is always changing. Every day is a new day. Every year is a new year. Things are changing. I think... Once again, go back to the macro, zoom out again. America is in a place of great transition. We all see it. And what side are we going to choose to be on? Are we going to be on the side of continually trying to repress things and regulate and tell people what to do and infantilize grown ass men and women? Because that's the way things have been for so long. And we can't see that shit is changing. We can't accept it. But is it that we're right or are we missing the fucking boat? Is everything moving on and we getting stuck thinking things are the way that they were? Shit is changing. Shit is fucking changing rapidly. Ladies and gentlemen, you draw your own motherfucking meaning from what I'm talking about. I'm just talking shit. I'm talking about Pinocchio. I'm talking... <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That little boy is a motherfucking liar. How could you believe me? How could you believe me? No, great movie. Go watch that new Pinocchio movie. Beautiful fucking movie. They captured the history of fascism very well. They captured the mentalities of the people in this desperate small town in Italy. They captured um, real motions of life, loss and agony and pain. And from that, like a, a phoenix rising from the ashes, hope and joy and love. Great fucking movie. Anybody who's a continual listener to Nothing Important Podcast, I want to thank you sincerely. Continue listening. Do me a favor. Go on to my Instagram. Like the post. Like the reels. Until next time.